0: This episode contains discussions about abortion, which some listeners may find upsetting.
1: My favorite thing about being here is
0: that it's, it's endless opportunities, right, babe? What's your name? Charisma. Charisma. I'm Jack.
1: Hey, Jack. Nice to meet nice you. Nice to meet you. I hope you enjoy your stay in New York. All right. Thanks a enjoy lot. You it, have guys. a great day. Right. See ya. That was wonderful. That was wonderful. <laughs> she did have charisma. She did. She did. <laughs> yeah.
0: Welcome to Off the Beaten Jack, the podcast where I stuff you into my luggage and drag you across America, from sea to shining sea. So, make yourself comfortable between my socks and toiletry bag, because I'm about to get one huge dose of my five-a-day in the Big Apple. When I was 10, I got a karaoke machine for my birthday, and there are only three songs I can ever remember singing on it. The first one was I'm Too Sexy by Right Said Fred. Yeah, picture that for a second. (laughs) The second one was Money 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 by ABBA because what 10-year-old boy doesn't sing about going to Monaco to find himself a wealthy man? And the third song, the reason I'm telling you this story, was New York, New York by Frank Sinatra. And whenever I sang it, I had in my head this image of what New York would be, this place of possibility. An expectation hanging in the air, where you could pursue a dream and make it true. I can feel it. I can feel what he was singing about. Not literally, of course. It's 10 degrees below zero, and I have no sensation in my face or my fingers. Now, you might be thinking, hold on. This podcast is called Off the Beaten Jack. And I'm pretty sure that I've heard of this New York City. I think I might have even seen it in a film once. Well, you're right. But the thing is, I was going to be travelling through it on the train, and I thought, kind of sad not to stop for a few nights, right? So that's what I'm going to do. And I'm currently walking up to my host. Now, I don't know much about her or her place. And what I do know, it's not that inspiring. I've got to say, I'm reading from her profile now. My place should be low on your list of options. The bathtub is in the kitchen. There is no shower. The apartment is very old and crumbly. I'm a terrible, but friendly housekeeper. The bathroom is a commode only. Just a toilet, three walls and a door. I have three cats and a pit bull, all very friendly. There's always the odor of cats and cat hair. There was recent construction and the apartment is not put back together. There are grungy piles of stuff in two rooms. If you're the least bit fussy, my place will horrify you. But did that put me off? Like hell it did. Couch surfing is not about five-star hotels. It is about making connections It's about meeting interesting people. It's about sharing ideas and cultures. And that's why I do it. So I'm super excited to meet her. I have no idea what she's gonna be like, but she has glowing references. And to me, that's the only thing that matters. So let's get there before my fingers fall off. So I'm at the place. I just met my host. We went out for lunch and had a really long, interesting conversation. She has had a really rich and varied life and is a very open person. And so we chatted for a long time in a brilliantly New York deli. And now I'm back here. She gave me the tour and she doesn't actually live here, which I didn't realize. She lets surfers stay here, have the place to themselves, which is incredibly generous of her. And I thought I would give you a little tour. And try and paint a picture for you with my words, since I am supposed to be a writer. That is what I'm doing with this big adventure to L.A. So you come in to the kitchen, and the most notable thing right away is the bathtub. Very handy if you want to make an omelette whilst bathing. Uh, Or it would be if the bathtub was functioning. Sadly, it won't drain which uh, Joanne did put in the description, so that's not a surprise, but the only other sink also doesn't drain because it's connected to the bathtub. So if you want to run the tap, then you have to do so into a pink plastic bucket which is sitting in the basin and then empty it into the toilet. But if you want to do that, first you've got to get rid of the cat which is sitting on the toilet, and the cat really doesn't like to get off the toilet. And if you're thinking, Jack, I think you might have misspoken there. I think it sounded like you said the cat doesn't like to get off the toilet. Well, I'll direct you to the website where I'll put a picture, and you can see the cat really doesn't like to get off the toilet. It spends most of its time in there. Then if we go into the bedroom, Joanne was not lying in her description. She was very accurate. It isn't the tidiest place, but I can tell you, She's not doing it justice, because this place is packed full of memories and history. There's art on the walls. There are collections of objects that she has accumulated over her life. There are dolls. There are paintings. There are old antique fans. You can tell from being in this place that this is a home that has accumulated a lot of memories over its time. And I feel very, very grateful for Joanne for letting me stay here. Uh, There is another cat here, the second cat. Ido, which is short for I don't want another cat. Hey, Ido. Ido is such a sweetie. I wish you could see her. She is absolutely beautiful, aren't you? Yeah, you are. I've definitely made a friend. There's a characteristic hissing sound you might be able to hear in the bedroom over here, which sounds worryingly like a gas leak. Now, I have been assured that it's not a gas leak. That's just how the heater works. Uh, And I'm going to take her word for it and hopefully I will still be here in the morning. Knock on wood. That's pretty much the rundown of the apartment. All right, I'm going to go out and get a bite to eat. I went for a burger and a whiskey at a sports bar nearby and enjoyed soaking up the atmosphere and making small talk with the bartender. As I filled my belly with meat, fries and bourbon, it felt New York was off to a good start. But little did I know what the city had in store for me that night. It's twelve minutes past four in the morning. And I'm lying in my futon bed. In head-to-toe thermals. A jumper. Sheepskin jacket and gloves. And heat tech hat and socks. On the plus side, the mysterious hissing appears to have stopped, but with it, so has the heating. And it's 10 degrees below zero. <laughs> uh, <laughs> After a few hours of shivering in bed, I decided to head out in search of warmth. As I searched for a 24-hour diner, I began questioning what I was doing. It was only my third day in the country, and I was already walking the streets in the early hours surrounded by the 'er ne'er-do-wells of New York. And that's when it presented itself to me, like a mirage on the horizon, the welcoming lights of the Ritz Diner. I'm sitting in a diner about 10 blocks from where I'm staying. It's 6 minutes past 5 in the morning. Whatever you're imagining is probably accurate. I'm in a booth. There's a lot of neon and a pretty (laughs) eclectic handful of customers. There are middle-aged men having breakfast. There's two very glamorous women with some of the longest fingernails I've ever seen. And a young couple in their 20s. It might sound like my night hasn't worked out, but I'm not so sure. Can you really say you've had the New York experience if you haven't ended up in a diner at 5am? I don't know. As the sun rose into a clear blue sky, I dosed myself up with coffee and went for a walk in Central Park. And the next day, I was ready to meet my host Joanne for our interview. We often ended up meandering away on side tangents, so I've cut it down to the most interesting bits. We started at the apartment on the Upper East Side and began making our way south towards the United Nations. So we're walking down First Avenue, 15 blocks from where you have lived for what, since, was it 76?
1: Uh, the neighborhood's in 76, but that particular apartment's in 78.
0: 78, okay. And what do you miss about the New York of 1978 when you first moved there?
1: I miss the grittiness. <laughs> it was, even that neighborhood was a little gritty, the 73rd Street neighborhood. Uh, was full of Czechoslovakians there were groups of men in long black coats and top hats that would gather each evening to shoot the breeze (laughs) and uh, it's not like that anymore it's just very polished and you can't afford to have a funny little funky shop anymore we were talking about homeless people Mm. and i met a friend um joey who had a little antique store in a little basement And there was a homeless man that he would give the key so he could go in and sleep in his shop each night. Wow. But Joey was funny because they used to have open dumpsters and people would die and they would just throw out all their belongings in a dumpster and Joey would climb into it and find goodies and put them in his antique shop (laughs) and you could really live hand to mouth and have a roof over your head. You can't do that anymore.
0: Because we were talking about, I think it applies to London where I'm from and New York as well, this sense that it has changed so much, so much money has come in, there's so many places Mm -hmm. built that aren't lived in. You know, they're bought as investments and sold to someone in another Mm -hmm. country. And I sort of just wonder, what do you think the future of New York is?
1: Sadly, my um, son-in-law, not sadly that my son-in-law works for a developer, but (laughs) what he said is sad. And he said that by 2070, you won't be able to see the sky, that it will be all high-rises. I hope he's wrong. But they're already talking about extending lower Manhattan.
0: Wait, they extend it to where?
1: out into the bay, <laughs> or I don't know what that body of water oh, is. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs>
0: uh, so, so literally build new...
1: Yeah, maybe like Venice. Venice is, I think, built on water.
0: Yeah, and now it's sinking.
1: <laughs> yes. Well, you know, if you're a developer, what do you care is going to happen in 400 years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so when we get right around this bend, you'll be able to see the United Nations. Which, when I was uh, first in New York, it was exciting to see because everybody in the world comes there.
0: It is. It's sort of the best and the worst all in one place. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like, um, I don't know, I feel like the UN, it's like police school. There's all of these little Mm -hmm. cliques and people ganging up on each other.
1: Oh, yeah. I never thought of it that way, but that's so true.
0: It's like the kind of high level of the cafeteria. (laughs)
1: Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> who's going to talk to who, <laughs> who's going to sit next to each other.
0: <laughs> I'll make a deal with you. I don't want to make a deal with you, though. <laughs> yeah. So you've I, lived in New York for 40-something years. Have you traveled much within the U.S., the places I'm going to be going?
1: I took a train trip, the, probably the same train you're taking across the, you know, Montana and Wyoming. Yeah, it's and exactly the same, yeah. Yeah, and uh, loved it, I went when Carly was six, and um, I don't know, I was listening, this is a little bit off-topic, but I was listening to uh, people, it was a historian, and Joe Scarborough, a local newsman, and they were talking about their tribe. and what their tribe thought growing up. One was Episcopal and one was Baptist. And I thought, that's so interesting. I never referred to my group, my, my family as a tribe. I mean, this isn't necessarily something that you would want in your podcast, but I was thinking about it because it seems like the current Supreme Court is going to get rid of Roe v. Wade and I told you that I had had an abortion, and I didn't mention that it was illegal, that uh, Roe v. Wade had not come about yet, and I had to fly to New Mexico City, and it was illegal there too. We had to have passwords, I went with my mother, and we had a choice of two hotels that we could go to. One was called El Presidente, and the other one was, I think, Americana, something like that and we had a taxi driver who picked us up at the airport and he was taking us to every hotel but those. This one? <laughs> it's like every hotel where he probably had an inn. we're like, no, <laughs> this one or this one. And, and then we had a code name that we had to call and then we had to describe what we were wearing. And um, people in a little Volkswagen picked us up and drove us far, far away from Mexico City. And we went in and I had to pay cash, so my mother gave me the cash, and I went down into the basement. And I won't go into any more details. That's probably enough. <laughs> but it was very scary. And then they told us to uh, you know, go back to our hotel. They drove us back to our hotel and said to go eat immediately. And uh, the place that we decided to go eat was right next to the hotel. And we sat down, and not too long after we sat down, Jaja Gabor came in and sat at the table next to us. <laughs> and it's only funny because my mother was mortified that Jaja would know and care. <laughs> and I was mortified because just the whole thing was awful.
0: I mean, it must have been terrifying. 19, you're going down into a different country.
1: It, it was terrifying. And uh, luckily, all was well but I'm just so against getting rid of Roe because young girls are involved and even older women are involved and the choice should be for everyone to make the choice that they want. You know, I worked as a school nurse and there were like 13 year old girls who got pregnant and it has to be an option you can't force something on... I mean, I guess you can, because it's happening. But it's just so un, uh, unfair.
0: What is the next step with that ruling? When you say it might go away, I, you know, I don't know enough about how American law is made or, or changed.
1: There's a Mississippi case. Well, first of all, there was um, the state of Texas decided that anyone could sue a doctor who performed an abortion or anyone who participated in the abortion even if all they did was drive the woman to the clinic so right now there's no abortions being done in Texas and women are going to other states and there's another case in Mississippi that's coming to the Supreme Court and if that one goes through then Roe v. Wade will be abolished and Each state will still be able to make their own decision, but there's already, I think, 25 states that are ready to ban it. Oh, I wonder what... Oh, that's probably a peaceful demonstration for Martin Luther King.
0: Joanne goes off on a tangent here, but what she said stuck with me, not least because a few days after she went through this horrifying ordeal, America succeeded in putting a man on the moon. Up in space, an exciting new future was being forged. But back on Earth, thousands of women were being forced into dangerous, emotionally scarring positions. And for decades to follow, whenever America celebrated the moon landing as a triumph of what was possible, Joanne had to relive the fear she experienced that day.
1: This has kind of, like all of New York had this kind of rawness. See how it's not really built up?
0: yeah by this point we'd walked 60 blocks or so down to the east village
1: oh there used to be one dollar movie houses i remember taking carly in when she was just a few months old and i hid her under my coat because no babies allowed and i went to see indiana jones in the temple of doom and she woke up and just the look on her face was priceless because She went in asleep, and all of a sudden, there's like that big stone rolling down. (laughs) (laughs) My poor baby. (laughs) Oh, look at that! That is quite the collection.
0: We're looking at a window display with hundreds of naked baby dolls.
1: Punks, one hundred against one hundred. I guess that's percent against government. Your cock will never be a fight. Uh, I don't even know what that means. If you don't know me well enough, this is quite up my alley. I like the bazaar. <laughs>
0: I'm great. This is great. Ah. Well, try something on.
1: <laughs> There's probably nothing my size. And, they, and we can't take pictures. That's true. Look... That's so strange. Because there were so many dildos in there. (laughs) I thought I would tell you the one joke that I would probably tell on stage if I ever got enough nerve to be... (laughs) Which is not good for your podcast, but I'll tell you. Go on. Is I'm so old, but so ready to have safe sex, that I put a condom on my dildo. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good joke. I thought so. I like that. (laughs) But this is a very famous uh, art school. It's Cooper Union. And at one time... Uh, if they accepted your portfolio and they accepted you, it was tuition-free. And if I had only known, I might have taken some drawing classes and actually gone to art school. Yesterday, mm-hmm. you were
0: telling me that you were an aspiring artist. And I was saying, I think you're absolutely an artist because you showed me the postcards that you do. And you're incredibly talented. You showed me dozens, if not hundreds of them. Mm-hmm. And you have so much talent. And I was yeah. wondering... Whether you consider doing like a portrait of us. Maybe if we took a picture or something and you could work off it.
1: Oh, that would be fun. I actually thought that we need a picture of us. Let's do a selfie right now. Uh. And
0: we're not gonna be one of those people with selfie sticks. FYI. Can't stand those people.
1: Oh How's that? Is that gonna work? That's pretty good. Oh, you gotta
0: So what is the appeal of couch surfing for you?
1: Oh, Lovely because there's no sterility of the hotel. There's you get to see someone's home, you get to see someone, uh, you get to have a meal, and you get to stay friends forever.
0: I think you summed it up beautifully. Really, I mean that's certainly the reason I do it, huh? and to have experiences like this and wander around the city and see it through your eyes.
1: But I will tell you a travel story uh, apropos of nothing that we've been talking about. I went to Cuba. Uh, Sure.
0: At this point, we get interrupted by someone asking for money. Joanne takes a little while to get back to the meat of the story, so I'll summarize the setup. While she's in Cuba, she meets a woman working at a restaurant called Gisela. Gisela's father has lived in the US for many years, but she lost touch with him after he moved into a nursing home. I'll let Joanne explain the rest, because it's one hell of a story.
1: So... It got emotional because the way she was telling me was so sad. And I told her that I would try to find him if I could. And then when I got home, I was like, that was a crazy thing. I can (laughs) not, there's no way I can find him. No way at all. So I um, decided, I did have his address. So I decided to write a postcard. So I sent a postcard and it said, Does anybody know what's happened to Luis Balmazada? His daughter's looking for him. This is my number. And within days, I got a phone call.
0: From who?
1: From a woman named Lucy. And she told me how she had. He lived in the same building as her mother. And every time that she went to visit her mother, she would hear him. And. her mother told her that he didn't have anyone, and so she became his healthcare proxy. And so I got her in touch with Gisela, which was really nice because Lucy speaks Spanish as well. They communicated, and then I went to Boston and I met Luis, and uh, was able to call Cuba while I was there. It was very sad because it was a very sad nursing home. He started crying. He was he was. He had very bad Alzheimer's, but he started crying. But I was able to connect her with one of the nurses there. And he must have died in, he died in 2019. So to make a long story short, he was cremated. And in 2020, a year later, I um, picked up his ashes. And I still have his ashes in my closet. <laughs> because then COVID hit. <laughs> so, every once in a while I'll look up and i go, Oh yeah, that's Luis. Hi Luis, how's it going? <laughs> I mean,
0: what an extraordinary story. I mean, I know it's very sad that he had Alzheimer's by the time she was finally able to speak to him but I mean you must have given her extraordinary closure by connecting the two of them.
1: I think so and we're still in touch me and Gisella, and you know it's just happy new year <laughs> and I say happy new year.
0: <laughs> I think you'll agree that Joanne is a pretty extraordinary person. She has dozens of stories like this.
1: And You ask me why I love couch surfing it's because it's just the greatest.
0: <laughs> so we're we coming out to Times Square now.
1: We are. This is 42nd Street. There was all peep shows and uh, dirty magazine shops.
0: Is that the old New York that you miss?
1: (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) Where I was terrified to walk down the street, it is.
0: It's funny how we romanticize those things that maybe at the time we didn't even (laughs) really care for.
1: That's true. One time I went to see um, Stevie Wonder at uh, Madison Square Garden and you could just feel the good vibes with all of the people and you know, I was, you were all singing, My Sharia Moore, la da 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 And all of a sudden, I noticed that I was walking by myself and all the other people were gone. And I'm on 42nd Street and I was like, Oh, <laughs> I'm going to die. But, um, nobody bothered.
0: So I think I mentioned it in my message, but, um, I'm trying to learn something from every place I go and everyone I meet. Do you think there's anything you could teach me?
1: Follow your bliss.
0: Follow your bliss. Okay.
1: Uh, I think I stole that. I'm sure I stole that from Joseph Campbell. But it should just, like... Decide what it is you love, and then just... Which same sounds like that's what you do already. So, I don't think I need to teach you that.
0: <laughs> I think I'm still trying to work out what I love, to be honest. But I suppose you can only, only by trying will you find out. So,
1: yeah. Well, you love comedy writing.
0: <laughs> I do, although it can be a bit tortured sometimes, any kind of writing. But I think... I don't know, I think you probably understand as someone that creates art that it comes with a healthy dose of... Mm-hmm self-doubt sometimes.
1: I think you're going to do fine. I find you very charming and thoughtful and that's pretty much all you need.
0: <laughs> the one thing that I'm a little nervous of because I'm going to end up in, in LA, which is where you're from. Uh-huh. And I am very aware that that's a city where you kind of need to be talking yourself up quite a lot. There's a lot of schmoozing and a lot of selling yourself. And I think maybe it's a British thing or maybe it's just me that we tend to self-deprecate quite a lot. And ah. I wonder if that's not going to serve me very well, whether I have to learn to be a bit more American in the way that I say, hey, yeah, this is me, and I'm great, because I think that's a cliche we have, is that Americans are much more good at selling themselves.
1: I don't think you need to. I think if you're just yourself, because if that's not your style, just go with your style, because that's authentic. I think people like authenticity better than, than a fake facade. <laughs> All right. I do. It's a microphone.
0: Oh, are you a news reporter? No, no, I'm oh, just, no. sorry. Yeah, uh... As we continued walking, we passed a liquor store and the conversation turned to drinking. Having a nice meal and a glass of wine. Mm-hmm. But I do quite like when I visit a place, especially if you can find a local place where people.
1: We should have a drink before I go um, home at Finnegan's. Oh, great, let's do yeah.
0: that, yeah. Okay. Is that around the corner?
1: It's right across the street.
0: I'm alright, thank you. Oh, okay. Alright, let's drink a little toast. Okay. I suggest a toast to you as a thank you.
1: And to wonderful travels and hosts and adventure and...
0: Well, thank you. I can't wait to hear what adventures you have.
1: Today is one of the best adventures I've had in months.
0: Well, I'll drink to that. Cheers. As I sat on the train, leaving New York, I reflected on the emotionally turbulent few days I'd spent in the city. I was tired, and so overwhelmed by editing the episode from Boston that i barely experienced NYC beyond my walk with Joanne. But more than anything, I kept coming back to what she'd said about our tribes. It was easy of me to talk wistfully about travelling the country and the charm of Middle America, but I couldn't help wondering what Joanne thought of my trip. To have been through something so shocking and traumatic when she was 19, only to see parts of her country preparing to repeal the laws which allow women access to safe abortions. Could you really blame her for not viewing those places with the same rose-tinted glasses as me? For staying with her tribe? I didn't ask her any of this, it's my interpretation, but it weighed on my mind as New York's high rises gave way to the low-lying industrial buildings of New Jersey and the train slipped into Pennsylvania's snowy countryside. Off the Beaten Jack is produced and presented by me, Jack Boswell. This week's episode was recorded in Manhattan with special thanks to my host, Joanne. Theme music by Simon Boswell with additional music by the Caffeine Creek Band, courtesy of Pixabay. If you enjoyed this show, new episodes will be recorded and released en route, so please rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks for listening.